I was just traveling in Europe and uh, had a speaking gig overseas. And all throughout the uh, airports in Europe, they have this ad campaign titled, Can You See Me? And it's bringing awareness to human trafficking. Uh, if you've listened to uh, my past uh, podcast about human trafficking, we're starting to get an idea about how big this issue really is. And the, the, the more I see how big it is, the more I realize this thing might be worse than the drug problem in the world, the drug trade in the world. This thing is massive. At a, at a uh, party that I was at, I had uh, uh, an opportunity. I ran into a detective from the Colorado uh, Springs Police Department who works in the human trafficking unit. And I asked them, uh, uh, him to come on and, and speak to you guys, my listeners, about how big this issue is. And he had told me some things right there at the party while we were talking that just floored me. Folks, this is massive. This is so big and it's not being talked about. It's not being discussed and it's not what you think it is. What's going on in Colorado, which for all intent and purpose seems like a safe place to be. It's horrendous here. And the reasons why are even more astounding and more confusing. So on the show today, I have two detectives who work in the Department of Human Trafficking in Colorado Springs. I want you to hear from them, not just from me and my excited, frustrated, angry voice. I want you to hear from the people, these men who are on the front lines out there, protecting the children and saving adults from slavery in the United States, in Colorado, in 2018. You have to know about this. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Honestly, I was just working my way up to death. I thought about killing myself every day. I was using all the time, and I, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. My brother shot himself because of drugs. When you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes, there's a couple of problems that concern me. But I remember feeling kind of relieved after hurting myself. Do you have any idea how much you were worth? I like to say it this way. Great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. Our teens are navigating a world of information anarchy and increased stress and pressure. Drugs are glorified more than ever before and there seems to be a suicide option that didn't exist prior. As adults, we are responsible to provide the help at-risk teens need. Have teens changed or is it just the world they live in that's different? Is this why so many teens are traumatized or triggered? My name is Aaron Huey, and in 2009, I opened a home for these teens with the hopes of giving them a second chance at creating the life we all know they deserve. Now I want to give parents the information that contributed to our success and to support them in navigating the at-risk world. These are the stories told by the teens and the techniques used by experts to help them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Detective Aoki, Detective Huey, thank you so much for being here. This is such an important topic. We have to talk about it. And I know you guys are taking time out of your busy day to do this. Uh, but thank you. Thank you for this moment of education for our listeners. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you so much for having us uh, and giving us this great opportunity to, to raise the awareness. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, there, uh, the problem of human trafficking does exist here uh, at our homes, at our, uh, in our cities. Uh, where we live at, not just overseas. 
Colorado Springs is not this giant urban environment uh, with with extremely low income and limited services and um, you know high rates of poverty. Colorado Springs is uh, generally known as a, a predominantly white area, um, very high Christian uh, population. Um, and so the idea that you guys are there in Colorado Springs having to battle this uh, was a little surprising. The last person I had talked to, uh, she was in Denver, and that made more sense. But meeting you in Colorado Springs, when you're saying it's happening everywhere, it's happening everywhere. That is correct. This is a problem that affects not only big cities, as you mentioned, uh, you know, here in Colorado, bigger cities as Denver, uh, but also in smaller cities. I don't think the problem has anything to do with the size of the city or the population. It's just that the fact is that human trafficking is such a, a profitable uh, business for criminals. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, it's, it's massive. The, the International Labor Organization estimates that it's a $150 billion industry wor worldwide. So the fact that there's so much money involved, it, it, it attracts uh, criminals that want to profit from it. Uh, and like you said, it just it affects every single city uh, within the United States as well, uh, not just in big cities. There's no socioeconomic group that's exempt from human trafficking. Okay, so let's let's talk about this since, since since we've now brought up the fact that there's no socioeconomic group that's immune from this or that's associated, you know, directly with it. This is this is one group of people who are doing this or who are victims of it. What are we talking about here? What is human trafficking? How would you guys describe this to people who are listening to this going, what are you talking about? Okay, so let's start with the definition of human trafficking. This is the, uh, I'm going to give you the definition that has been adopt, adopted by the, the Council uh, on Human Trafficking here in Colorado. Uh, it states that human trafficking is the severe exploitation of another person by means of force, fraud, or coercion for some kind of labor, including commercial sex. So basically, human trafficking is, is a person profiting at the expense of another by means of coerced labor uh, or commercial sex. Uh, that's in essence, that's what it is. Uh, there is this, a misconception that it has to involve some sort of smuggling or transportation. Uh, those could all be part of it, but it do, it's not required. You don't have to be smuggled, uh, taken to another country, taken to another location. Uh, those are separate crimes on its own. Uh, the simple fact that somebody's profiting at the expense of, of another through coerced labor or commercial sex, that makes it a human trafficking. How much of the $150 billion industry is the, the sex trade, the, the, the sex workers? So those are some statistics from the International Labor Organization. Uh, they estimate, uh, uh, according to them, about 80% of them are trapped in some sort of forced labor. Uh, they estimate that 20% of them are children and 75% of them are women and girls. Uh, so again, those are on the labor side. Uh, there's no, obviously there's no specific or uh, concrete data because this is a clandestine uh, criminal enterprise that cannot be measured. 
we talked about a, a specific um, you know, demographic being attributed to this. Is this, a, is this a mafia issue? Are these gang issues? Is this terrorist issues? Uh, who seem to be profiting the most from this? Who, who do we keep looking at to say, if we could only get those guys, it would have this industry or quarter this industry? Yes, it is not necessarily a, a gang issue. Very well be a, a, a profiting uh, from it, but it, it's not necessarily only organized crime or gangs. Uh, individual people, anybody really, could be a trafficker. Uh, there is really no demographics. We've seen uh, across the board, not a specific gender or uh, socioeconomic status or, or ethnicity. Uh, that's a trafficker. I was just going to say we've here locally we've had you know 18 year old boyfriends that traffic their girlfriend and and girlfriend's friends, um, you know. So we've had that all the way up to say a a 50 or 60 year old guy um, that's you know trafficking uh, a single girl or maybe a couple um, in. 2016, I think we arrested more females for pimping and trafficking-related crimes than we did males. Is it still a predominantly... So it's, it's across the board. You can't... Got it. Is it, is it still a predominantly male-driven industry organiz, with, with, within its organization, or are we really looking at everybody, anybody can be involved? Yeah, not necessarily males. No, that that would be a misconception. Uh, as my partner said, we uh, we have uh, arrested females on charges of pimping and and uh, human trafficking related charges. Uh, so uh, females, uh, anybody from a young age to an older age, uh, anybody can be a trafficker. Some of the uh, some of the types of tracking we've encountered as a partner said was uh, what is referred to as the, the intimate partner sex trafficking. That is uh, your intimate partner, whether it's boyfriend or girlfriend, using the, uh, the significant other uh, to profit from her. So this in, has in, to uh, make in the commercial it, sex. Yeah, this, this has to make it so hard to be able to identify a perpetrator of of human trafficking so let's let's start with with this psychology of a sex trafficker um and talk about how do you identify this i mean i can't imagine you guys trying to educate the public in how to find or see a trafficker since it, you're, you're talking about it could be an aunt it could be a boyfriend it could be you know someone gang related it could be just a uh a, a, a like, like, how do you identify this? So let's let's move away from what a trafficker looks like and talk about the psychology of a person who would do something like this. And you're right. It is extremely difficult to identify because it could be anybody could really be trafficked. It, again, if somebody's profiting you at, at, at the expense of, uh, of one person uh, by coercing it into labor or commercial sex, that, that's just sex. That, that's, in essence, human trafficking. So... It could be a, like say, be a relative. It could be a boyfriend or girlfriend. It could be a, a traditional, what would be a traditional pimp. Uh, it could be anybody really. Uh, and, and these people manipulate the, the victims. Uh, there is a, uh, this theory in psychology called the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, 
which uh, which says that a, a person basic, has basic needs, uh, starting from the safety needs, uh, belongingness, uh, esteem. So what would the criminals would do? They will attack. They will attack the the. They will see what the person needs and attach to themselves. Uh, for example, uh, let's take a runaway case. Uh, most runaways uh, would need food and shelter. Uh, it's basic needs that a human being needs to survive. Uh, a trafficker would know that. They will offer food and water, food and, uh, and shelter uh, to the person and start developing the relationship and start grooming person into uh, the commercial sex industry and traffic that person that way. Uh, others may need more of a, maybe looking for more of a relationship and, and what they will, what the trafficker would do would attach themselves to that person in the, in becoming either a boyfriend or a girlfriend and develop a relationship that way and start trafficking the person. So it, it's, uh, it's, like you said, the psychology of it's it's basic psychology that they'll use to use to manipulate and use persons to their advantage. So now that we're we're understanding that these people who are trafficking other humans, and we'll use the word people lightly, this seems pretty monstrous. But if if we're you know, I have a whole episode on 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 about the needs, about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the basic human needs. So listeners can go reference that to understand how someone can use basic psychology to suddenly create an endearment issue. A, uh, uh, but okay. So now since, since we're, we're understanding that, that a trafficker is using basic psychology to do this, how do you know if you've seen something? What are you guys looking for when you're, and I want to say, are you at the airport? Are you at the train station? Are you at the mall? Where are you when you're looking for these guys? Where, where do they go? And what does a person like me who flies a lot, I fly all over the world a lot. What do I look for? What should I be on the lookout for? And as we mentioned before, they will be, it's extremely difficult to identify. And they are everywhere, basically starting from hotels, uh, regular residences, uh, houses, apartments, malls, uh, airports, uh, carnivals, on the streets. It, is, it, it can happen anywhere. So there's no specific location where we are at to, uh, to, to look for it. Because uh, in essence, it, it, can, it can happen anywhere. Uh, in the city, uh, within the city, uh, uh, in any location. Uh, on, this, on the second question that you had, what can you specifically look for? It is also extremely difficult. One of the, one of the main challenges that we face is that a lot of times victims, uh, people are being victimized. Uh, and it all goes back to the, uh, to the psychology. Uh, they're so uh, brainwashed by the traffickers that they may not necessarily identify themselves as, as being victimized. They, they could be doing it... Uh, they could think they're doing it because of love, out of love for that person, and, and, and not think that they are being victimized. So they may not necessarily come forward, uh, you know, as being a victim of human trafficking. Uh, what can you look for? It's, it's really difficult. Uh, they can look like anybody. Uh, it's really, it's, it's, it will look like a regular person to, to somebody, uh, to, to anybody really. Uh, we do rely a lot on tips that come in uh, from, you know, from regular citizens up to nurses. Uh, 
medical staff that will see that something's odd and, and will call call it in, call us and uh, and inform us about it, and we, we would initiate an investigation. Uh, there can be some very basic, uh, or not basic, but obvious signs. Uh, there is such thing called as, as branding, uh, which is the trafficker using uh, tattoos to brand their, their victim. Uh, again, to this to these uh, criminals, they they view the the victim as property. That, that in essence, that's where it is. It's somebody that they are uh, that they're making money out of. It's, it's purely property. So they will do things such as branding. Huh? They'll they'll tattoo their uh, signs, names, uh, really anything that will barcodes. Uh, uh, you've seen up all the way up to uh, portraits. Uh, you see, the, uh, you could see those as well. It's uh, it's very possible. It's not necessarily. Not all victims will have that, but some could have. So those are some of the potential things that, that you could be looking out for. Just odd tattoos. If a if a child is suddenly showing up with a with a really odd tattoo, you know, question the child into you know the the meaning to why that person got the tattoo. What does it mean, etc. Could be you know uh, obvious signs of malnourishment or or being afraid of people, being afraid of the police. Uh, don't want it to be a uh, don't want it to be don't want to speak to the police or or being very uh, vague into you know why they are in a particular person, or or if they sort of seem that they're being coached into what they what to say when they're approached uh, by people, those are some uh, some obvious signs as you could see. Uh, but again, it it is difficult to, to identify. Not all traffickers will or victims would have those signs of of tattoos or and, and uh, you know uh, malnourishment. So. It's still a difficult, it's, it's challenging. I know that my audience, uh, because the, this program is designed for parents, teachers, and clinicians who work with kids who are at risk of drug abuse and self-harm and uh, uh, things of this nature, um, the curiosity is going to be, you know, how does this relate to my kid? You know, and, and what I know is that a lot of parents that I work with and talk to, um, they're their kids, uh, we work with, with a lot of kids who have run away from home. And so I think my question is, how in danger is the runaway youth? Are they, are they a big part of the, uh, the population who gets brought into human trafficking? And I'm talking about boys and girls here. So, so are the homeless youth? Are the runaway youth? Is it is it the poor youth? Is it the abused youth? How much involved in this are they? So I'm glad you brought up the the boys and girls part um, because we've worked cases. You know, we get stuck in that rut that it's always a female, but we've had cases with with uh, gay boys. We've had cases with transgender you know, our LGBTQIA community, they're all at risk um, for trafficking, and we've worked cases with all of them as being victims. <clears throat> and, and, uh, and you mentioned a good point. The runaway uh, community uh, or children, it, it is, uh, they are highly at risk. It's one, and just by nature of being out on the streets and, and, uh, and, and, Needing basic need basic physiological needs, they they uh, they put themselves at a greater risk. Uh, according to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, uh, NECMEC, uh, 
Uh, in 2016, they estimate that one out of six endangered runaways uh, uh, were likely victims of, uh, of some sort of sex trafficking. Uh, so th those are some of the statistics that are that are or estimates by the by the NECMED Center. So again, they are highly at risk of of being trafficked. We've got we've got five minutes before you know we had a half hour slated for you guys, and and I appreciate the half hour because quite frankly, obviously teaching people about this stuff is important, but being out there on the front lines and saving these kids and saving these adults who are trafficked is where we want you guys. So I have, I have two questions left. Do you feel like you're making a dent? And I know what it's like to be in an overwhelm and against all odds, working with children who, who use drugs and drink and self-harm and are dealing with mental issues. I know what it's like to feel completely overwhelmed and outnumbered. And how do you, you know, so, so are you, do you feel like you're making a dent? How do you know because this is such a massive worldwide problem. And then the second question I have to end with is, how do your communities help you? How can we as a community member show up and get behind you guys to help you with what's going on here? So to the first question, do we feel like we're making it absolute? And that's just by, by, uh, by, the, by the victims that we recover. Every day, every time we go out and every, uh, we recover a victim, uh, a victim of human trafficking, uh, it's an accomplishment. And it's one more person that we've uh, we've recovered out from from the situation, from the streets, from the uh, from the trafficker, and it's uh, it's it's a success. Uh, again, it's a massive problem. It's a uh, it's it's out there, and that's why we're out there uh, fighting it and and looking for uh, the victims uh, that you know to recover them and, and offer them assistance. Uh, we have great programs uh, here in uh, in our county uh, to assist the victims. And that's where ultimately that's what it's all about to 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 help those vic to get the victims out of the situation and uh, help them towards recovering. Uh, what can the community do uh, to help us? Help? We do have a, a hotline uh, to report tips of uh, of suspected human trafficking. The National Human Trafficking Hotline. Uh, the number will be one eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight, or by text. Uh, the text number will be 233733. Uh, the words come to be be free. So that's the national hotline. Uh, in Colorado, in the state of Colorado, we do have the Colorado Network to End Human Trafficking, uh, which is also a hotline to report suspected human trafficking. The number for that will be 1-866-455-5075. So anytime a person suspects uh, possible human trafficking, please do uh, call the hotlines and report it. Uh, once it gets reported, it'll get routed to the appropriate agents, to the appropriate local agency uh, to be investigated. Uh, so thus, uh, it's, it's, a great, uh, it's a great way uh, for citizens to be involved. And again, look for the obvious signs and, and, uh, and if, uh, and, or any suspicious activity. Uh, because uh, the signs may not always be obvious. Uh, and don't forget, if you have a person for, for the medical staff and uh, clinicians, if you have a person that's potentially being victimized, uh, go ahead and call the local law enforcement agency to respond and to speak to, to you and to the, to the uh, potential victim to determine if, if there's any human trafficking. So those are the two, uh, two ways. 
the biggest thing for the the biggest thing for the community is to be educated, to seek out that education, who to contact if they do suspect that you know they are seeing some human trafficking. Detective Aoki, Detective Hewley, thank you guys so much on. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to repeat the numbers uh, at the end when we uh, uh, when we sign off and everything. Thank you guys for what you do, and uh, this is this is a big deal. Uh, thank you for being out there on the front lines, and uh, and rescuing these kids and rescuing these adults from this. Uh, I really want people to understand how massive this problem is. And like I said, the more I learn, the more I'm learning how big it is and how the $150 billion industry, that is, that's incredible. So thank you guys for being out there. Uh, thank you for what you do. And please, while you're doing this work, be safe, watch each other's backs, take care of yourselves so that you can do this for a long time and go home every night. I really appreciate what you guys do for the community. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity on my side. Um, hang on just a second, and we're going to sign off, and I'll be, uh, I'll be right back with you listeners. Uh, you guys, uh, again, thank you so much um, for being on uh, my episode, my podcast, Beyond Risk and Back. Um, I really appreciate it. Folks, uh, the Polaris Project, uh, the National Hotline, 1-888-373-7888. Um, there's also a text two three three seven three three, and the words are "be free." Uh, there's also the hotline one eight six six four five five fifty seventy five. If you see something, if you suspect something, call. Let the professionals figure it out. Let them decide whether it's real or not. Let them decide if you're overreacting or not. Um, but turning away is is uh, turning away from saving somebody's life. Uh, I want to thank my editor, Dan Cropper. I want to thank our boss goddess, Kristen Walker, at, uh, at Beyond Risk and Back and Mental Health News Radio out there for her constant love and support. And I want to thank you listeners for, for hanging with these, uh, these heavy talks. We got to save these kids. We got to save these people going through this. Again, thanks to the detectives. Uh, be safe out there. I'll see you next week on Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com.